else are going to sing that this evening. Uh, it's going to be on the screens together, so let's, let's join in worship together.
back up. If you have your hymn book, we're going to ask you to turn to page 345 this evening. It will be on your screen this evening. This old song of the church just simply says, Where could I go but to the Lord? But if you need the hymn book, it's on page 345 this evening.
Lord, we are so thankful and honored to be back in your presence and in your house. Lord, we pray that every song that we sing and every note that is played would be, Lord, inhabited by you, the praises of your people. And God, you would just come down and be in our midst and speak to your people. And for that, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your holy and precious name. And all the people of God together said amen. Amen. Let's sing this old praise chorus of the church. It just says, I am covered, covered by his blood. Jesus has rescued me.
hear from heaven. For Holy Spirit morning and I, I validate that again tonight sometimes we need more than just a shout sometimes it's more than just a shout sometimes it's that still small voice but sometimes I have now everybody's different in how they experience God I get that but sometimes when I listen to worship music or when I hear a song playing on the radio or I'm driving in my car in fact for those of you who don't know this Sunday, this morning we sang Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Well, I had no intention of singing that this week. In fact, I had already picked out the music in my head for something totally different. I was driving in my car, and I had the radio playing, and I stopped somewhere, and I had some time to kill, so I was just sitting in the driver's seat waiting until I had to go in, and I was flipping through Facebook, God's royal telephone of uh, to speak to my heart. I learned more sermon materials from Facebook than anything else I seem to get. It gives me a lot of material. And I... Uh, I saw a video. I don't know who posted it, but it was a group of apostolic folks, and they were in some kind of convention back in 1980-something. I don't even know how. It was old. It was so old that the video camera quality, I couldn't even tell you who it was. It was so old. It was blurry and distorted. And the guy just started singing, oh, I want to see him. And I was sitting there in my car, and I just was having church all by myself. People started pulling up beside me, looking at me just in the car all by myself, looking at me like I'd lost my mind. I'd played it. I shared it on Facebook. I was riding in the car. I think Brandon was with me one day this week. I played it in the car, and I'm just bouncing in the She's driving. I'm just bouncing in the car side, and she's like, something's wrong with you. And I'm like, I can't help it. Every time the song's playing, I just, I can't help. I'm trying. I'm trying to sit over here and just eat my biscuit, but I just can't, I can't stop moving. So I finally said, you know what? I'm, I'm, we're singing that Sunday. I don't care if I have laryngitis. We're singing that Sunday. Sometimes that happens. You know, sometimes it doesn't. But everybody has different moments. But I have learned a long time ago that if you really want to hear from God, God will speak to you. He wants to talk to you. God, 
God's not sitting up in there in heaven thinking, well, I'm really kind of busy. This is a really inconveniencing time to be talking to each other. No, no, that's what he wants. He'll stop all of heaven just to have a conversation with us. We call it prayer, but, but, but sometimes that God just wants to stop heaven so y'all can talk. You know, I've often said that if I could ever bring anybody back, you know, if I had somebody ask me one time, if you could bring anybody back from the dead of all times, who would you bring? I said, you know, I don't know. That would be so hard. You know, so many countless people, whether it was Dr. Billy Graham or whether it was Billy Sunday or D.L. Moody or Ray Hughes or, or whether it was, you know, Moses or, or Abraham. I mean, there's so many choices of people. I couldn't pick one. But I said, if there was one person that I could pick, if I didn't have to just pick one, but, but one of many, if I could have a five-minute conversation, I'd want to call my papa back from heaven, my dad's dad. He was a Southern Baptist pastor for many years. In Coorsville, pastored all the way down in Hugie until his last stint, where he passed away. In fact, my dad was pastoring Ridgeville at the time during the time of his of, of that passing of my grandfather in 1994-ish, somewhere in that window, 95 somewhere, somewhere in that window. My my mind's getting blurry. But if I could come back, I was about six or seven at that time. Obviously, a lot of years have transpired. But I'd love to go sit on that bench out there at Metcan Abbey that looks over the water with my, my my papa that I called him, and I'd like to sit there and I'd like to him to just talk to me. I'd love to, I don't care. I don't care what you had on the agenda outside of somebody in this church was dying and it was a life or death situation. You'd get put on hold for that day because I'd sit on that bench with my papa and we would just talk because I'd want to know about what was it like him and his pastoral ministry. I would want him to know what's going on in the church here. I'd want him to come preach when he could and visit the church. I'd want him to come and, and just share. I, I just I would want to glean from him just his knowledge and his he was a saint of a man. I, even as a kid, I remember that. I would just love to just sit there and talk to him. It wouldn't matter what you have going on other than a life or death situation. I would be like, yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't make it, but I had a, I had a bigger engagement I had to be at. But you know, that's kind of how it is with God. God can have five million things going on around him in heaven. But the Bible says when one of his children calls his name, he'll stop everything and tell the angels of heaven who are required 24 hours a day to say holy holy he'll stop them and say y'all keep doing what you got to do y'all keep singing y'all keep church going but uh i got more important because i need to go down there my my child's calling for me i want to sit down and have a talk with them god wants nothing more to for us to pull up if you will a royal seat at the table and just sit there and say god let's talk let's talk god here's my problems here's my things and then just stop for a moment and let god pull up a chair talk you know one of my highlights of my day is you're gonna think this is absolutely crazy i don't get to do this very often it only happens about once a week to be honest with you depending on our schedules normally brianna's working at night so when i come in the door from work she's going out the door for work we're high-fiving see you tomorrow cuts down on the arguments we don't have enough time to argue uh and and but she's walking in the door i'm like i gotta go in fact two days this week i had to teach school due to a conflict of interest with the school board there and uh, I was gone before she even got home from work. So we didn't see each other at all those two days other than literally me walking in the door and she's walking out for work. But I believe it was last night or it might have been Friday night. I can't remember. Micah got put to bed. You can be seated here for a moment. Worship uh, team, just stay because we're going to do something here out of the box. Sorry. You can sit if you want to, but you can't go far. Um, I can't remember. I put Micah to bed. Brandon was sitting in the recliner, my recliner, just so y'all know. It wasn't hers. She was in mine. 
I mean, we got a whole couch that she wanted me to buy. We bought two sections that match, but she picked my ugly recliner that matches nothing in the house to decide she wants to sit in. That's the one she wanted me to get rid of, too, but we kept it. Now she sits in it. I, I didn't explain that, y'all. That she was sitting in the recliner. I don't, I don't really, I know this sounds horrible, I don't remember all of the conversation. But I, it was last night, I remember, because it always is on Saturday. It was last night. We sat down. It was about, Mike went to bed around 8.30, I think, Brianna... And I sat down a little after nine, and we were talking. Sister Glenda, I never even looked at my phone. We were just chit-chatting, just chit-chatting. And I kept thinking, well, she hadn't went and taken her shower yet. You know, she takes her showers take a little while, but, you know, I mean, we got time. We just kept talking. I was sitting in the couch I didn't want and uh, praying through to Jesus come and got me. And we were just we, we just were talking. Yeah, I, I don't even remember the conversation. I, I think we were talking about something going on in, in a different church or something that she knew about. And we were just oh, something happened at work. That's what it was. She had something that happened at work, and some of the girls were asking questions about it. And we were just talking about it. She was like, "If, I, if you were in that situation, what would you have said?" Don't we just, Sister Alma, we just talked. And you know what? I thought for a minute when she was talking. I thought, man, I, this is nice. It wasn't anything spectacular. It was just a conversation. Sister Glenda, about that time, I didn't even pay attention. I grabbed my phone, and I thought, you know, let's just see what time it was. It was almost 2 a.m. We just sat there and talked. And I was thinking about that thing today when I was riding back into the office this afternoon. I didn't know how the Lord would orchestrate this service. But I thought, what if we didn't put God on timelines and we just talked? What if instead of telling God, now God, you know... You know, by 7, we got to be out at Huddle House. You know, on Sundays, we got to be at Gilligan's by 12.15 because the Baptist folks will get there at 12 and the other Pentecostal people will get there at 12.30. So we better get our name on that list in between or we won't get lunch today. We got to beat them to the restaurant, preacher. What if we didn't care? What if we just went home and had a fried bologna and tomato sandwich because the restaurant was a little late? Come on now, you preaching now. Come on, talk to me. I'd rather go eat your fried bologna sandwich anyway you give me a thick piece of bologna I prefer the Oscar Mayer but as long as it's thick I don't care I want it slightly charred I want a little bit of black on it and I want a fresh tomato out of the garden not some greenhouse grown tomato I want it with salt and pepper I want it on toasted bread and I want it oh, with a little bit of mustard I am not bougie but I like it a certain way okay it's good some of y'all like that Duke's mayonnaise y'all can have that stuff you know God will save y'all one day but that, that mustard changes your life I eat that stuff. You know, I'd rather have that than Salisbury steak at Huddle House. I'd eat that all day long. What if we were more worried about, okay, we can go home and eat a fried bologna sandwich if we have to, but God, can we just talk? What if you took time out of the day that you knew you didn't have to be in a rush? It wasn't like, oh, God, I got to be at work. God, thank you for a good day. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you. All right, and getting out of the car with your coffee, about to spill it all over your dress or all over your suit or y'all and just running out the door. What if you just sat down at the kitchen table with an open Bible or a devotional book or a journal? My strength is journaling. My wife has discovered this week, she didn't know this, but I take notes on everything. I actually have a notebook in my office on my wife. You know that? I'm, that's not bad. I mean, I have, no, I have a book on everybody just about. It's a notebook. I just write all kinds. Of, it's not all bad, obviously, on anybody, but I write down everything. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a journaler. I like to go back and remember I like to go back and see it. I've got things in my office, of sermons that I preached, Brother Mike, back when I was in college. And I look at some of those sermons and I thought, my God, somebody sat through that? Like, 
Jesus, why did, oh Lord, I know you were helping me, but Lord have mercy, that was horrible. Praise God for the people whose ears had to listen to that. I go back, I remember, back. I keep a sermon record on my computer on a hard drive. Every sermon I've ever preached, I can go pull you any sermon in the year I preached it. It gets a little fuzzy at pre-2000s, but I get, I know that they were drowned there. At that point, I just put, it was in 1998. It was in some Sunday in 1998 or whatever it may be, but. I was thinking about that in my office today when I went in there. I thought, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be this. We talked about it. There's not always a shout. Sometimes that will run out. But sometimes you can just pull up to the table with your cup of coffee. My grandfather, his biggest thing. I can remember my papa, even though he passed when I was six. I remember his favorite. He was dedicated. That man would cut in a white dress shirt, long sleeve, white button-down dress shirts, navy blue or black. Oxford uh, uh, black pants with uh, black Oxford wingtip shoes. He changed oil in that, y'all. And never got oil on his white dress shirt. He was a man's man and holy at the same time. It's impressive. It'd be 117 degrees after cutting grass. You know what he'd go do? Go inside and pour a cup of coffee. Is he nuts? I used to think to myself, this is the craziest dude I've ever seen in my life. But every morning when my parents would drop me off to him or they would, you know, let me stay during the summers with them, Around 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, you'd always find him at the kitchen table. I could take you, if that, if we could go to my grandma's house, I could show you where the kitchen table sat in her house, right behind the bar, in chair. He sat right there with a black, I've got it in my office right now, a 75-pound Schofield black leather Bible. That You could lift weights with this Bible. It's so heavy. I don't even know how the man carried the Bible. It's so heavy. It's James Schofield. He'd sit there, King James only. Every other translation of him sent you to hell, but, you know, he read that one. He sat there with a cup of coffee two hours every morning. He just sat there. Sometimes he'd read, sometimes, but he didn't do nothing but just read or sit there. And I could hear him sometimes go down to his bedroom. And I could hear him praying, Brother Marion. Boy, could you hear him. But when he prayed, Sister Ann... Somebody else was in that room with him. You knew not to go in, but you knew he wasn't alone in the room either. He was having a conversation with somebody, but you could tell this wasn't just an average conversation. They were they were friend to friend. They had they had conversation. What if that was? We sing things like "Let your power fall, let your voice be heard, come and change our heart as we stand on your word." What if we when we sing these words, Holy Spirit, right now? What if we really sat there and said, "Okay, God, let's talk. Let your voice be heard." That's in the line of the song. Let your power, let your voice be heard. How can his voice be heard if we don't stop long enough to listen for it? You can't hear somebody's voice if you don't give them an opportunity to say hello. It's kind of pointless to somebody to call you on the phone and you say hello, say all you got to say, and hang up the phone before they even greet you back. That's not much of a conversation. You got to let them say, let your voice be heard. Come and change our heart as we stand on your word. I've thought about that. And we're going to tie this into the message here that I'm going to talk to you here just to continue of that other series we've been on. Sometimes we get in such a rush to get God through the day. Sometimes I wonder if we miss, we talked about missing miracles this morning. Sometimes I wonder if we just miss God sometimes. Not just miracles, we missed God. God didn't even get a real good shot because we were already ready to go. We already had leaving. I don't know, I forgot the guy who was saying we had leaving on the mind. We were already ready to go. So here's what I want us to do. It's going to be really weird. Uh, Miss Carol, probably going to need to go to a flat more than likely. 
here's what I want us to do. I'm going to sing this line here, and then we're going to sing this chorus together. And you know, A5, please. For there is a name that I love to hear. I love to sing of its worth. It sounds like music in my ears. The sweetest name I know. Now, you know this part. So we sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Let's sing that second. For to me. So wonderful, oh, to me, he is so wonderful, oh, to me, he is so wonderful, because, because he first loved me. Oh, let's sing that chorus. We sing, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love, oh. How I, oh, do you love the Lord? Oh, how I love Jesus. Because, because he, oh, let's sing to me. He's so wonderful to me. He is so wonderful. Yes, to me. He is so wonderful. Oh, to me, to me. Because he first loved. Let's decree and declare, oh, how I love, and oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. How I love Jesus. We say, oh, how I love Jesus. Because That's the kind of guy you get to talk to every day. What if we really believe that? What if we really love Jesus so much because of what he did for us on Calvary's cross? What if every day we got up, we talked to him like we loved him that much? If I walk into my room tonight or tomorrow and I'm disgruntled and I'm frustrated and I'm short-fused and I'm just giving Brianna a piece of my mind because I'm agitated with everything in the world, you know, in that moment she may not feel real loving or feel the love of my life, you know, being the love of my life, she might feel a little like, gosh, if this is how you love people, please don't show me so much love. If I walk into the room, Brother Mike, after a long day she's had at work, and I've had a long day at work, I come in with flowers, and I bring her coffee. It's better than flowers for her. I bring her a caramel macchiato, tall, extra shot of espresso on the bad days. And I walk in that room, and I hand her that cup of coffee with flowers. You know what, Brother Dennis? I don't have to say a word. Her, her, her facial expressions change. She's, she can be disgruntled, but she sees that cup of heaven, that, 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 that cup of heaven in, in my hand, and she just thinks God Himself has walked into the room with coffee, and it changes her life, and she smiles from ear to ear. I don't have to say anything. In that moment, 
you can just, the faith says it all. What if that was how we were with God? What if when we walked into church or we walked into our prayer closets, as soon as we walked into the room to bring our sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, the face of God changed. The smile of God illuminated the room. What if that bond took place and when we walked in the room, he came down and we were just together in that moment? Man, you talk about talking about going to church. That's going to church, y'all. That's going to church. You can have all the church you want to, all the other, but that's, ta- that's going to church. That's going to church. So before we break the bread of life here for a few moments, it's what I want us to do. I'm gonna, we're going to sing this. Same chorus right here on the screen. One more time. I don't want you to sing it to me. I don't want you to sing it just because you got nothing better to do. I want you to take the next 30 seconds, 45 seconds when we sing this. I want you to sing it as if you and God are just talking together. That you love him. Let him know you love him. We're going to let him talk. We're going to let him speak to our hearts. We're going to let him move into this moment with us and, and, and you show him for the next few minutes your love towards him can you do that for me we're going to sing this together here in just one second we sing oh how I love Jesus oh how I love Jesus oh how Let's just sing one more time. Oh, how I love. We sing. Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you, Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Before you see it, let me read this to you. Psalms 112. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth God and delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth, and the generation of his seed shall be blessed. Riches and wealth shall be in his house, and righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness, and he is gracious, full of compassion, and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth, and he will guide his fares with discretion surely he shall not be moved forever the righteous shall be an everlasting remembrance and he shall not be afraid of the evil tidings and his heart be fixed because of his trust in the Lord his heart is established and he shall not be afraid until he sees the desires upon his enemies he hath dispersed he has given to the poor his righteousness endureth forever the horn shall be exalted with honor the wicked shall see it and be saddened he will be gnashed with, shall be gnashed with teeth and melt away, and the desire of the wicked shall perish. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, give me just the words to say to your people for the next few moments. And Lord, we thank you for the presence of God we have experienced in this place, and we will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I won't keep you here but for a moment, but I want to continue Part two of a message we started last week, the blessings of the righteous. You see, the Bible says that if an earthly father 
knows how to give good gifts towards his children, how much more so does your heavenly Father desire to give good gifts to his children? It's in the word of the Lord. That's not my teachings. That's not my sayings. That's God. God's desire from the foundations of time is to bless his people. In fact, the nation of Israel was the blessed nation or the nation of choice. And, and God's desires from the foundation of time was to bless his people. You know, we, we see sometimes tragedy and, and situations. But every time we see tragedy, there's a story in the Bible where there's a story of triumph. Where God brought his people out. We see countless stories in the Bible of where the people of God may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but not fear evil. They had to walk through dangerous places. They had to walk through dark seasons. They had to walk through adverse circumstances. But yet God delivered them out of every one of them. God brought them through safely a passage. He created uh, pathways in the middle of seas. He created ways in the middle of the desert. He created roadways in the middle of, of, of enemy territory. He constantly let walls of city come crumbling down let them overshadow and overcome other nations that were that were persecuting them he he let them be enslaved for a season of time but God would raise up judges that would deliver them and bring them to a, a land of prosperity and peace he would raise up kings that would defend them he would raise up prophets to speak life over them he would raise up prophets later in the time period to foretell of the coming of his son Jesus Christ between the major and the minor prophets they would tell about the spirit of the Lord coming and the, they would prophesy that sons and daughters would see visions and old men dream dreams and the handmaidens and servants of the Lord would be able to experience this outpouring and manifestation he talked about he rose up he allowed people to be uh, to rise up to tell about heaven he allowed men like John the Baptist to prepare a way in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord and speak what thus saith the Lord then he allowed his only begotten son full of grace and truth to be transcended and be clothed in carnality and transcend time and space and come out of heaven and be wrapped in swaddling clothes and be a misfit, if you will, in a manger on the backside of a barn in Bethlehem. And yet he let that little boy grow up to be about 12 years old and sit at the temple with the scholars and the religious elite of the day and confound the wise and be able to speak to where they couldn't even wrap their mind around the ability of this young lad and by the time he was 30 he shows up at a wedding celebration and performs his very first miracle only after he had just come out of season of testing where for 40 days he had been in a wilderness fasting and praying and the devil had launched an all out assault against the son of the most high God yet in all of that Jesus never stumbled Jesus grew weak yes he grew tired yes he sometimes had to draw away to renew his strength but he never wavered in his calling he quoted scripture to get the devil to release from him and he does this miracle and throughout times people would throng him they came because he would make blind eyes open and he'd let deaf people hear and he'd let lame men walk and he would unloosen the tongue that could not talk and and he would go to funeral possessions and he'd stop the funeral possessions and create pandemonium for the funeral home director by raising them right out of the ground or right out of the box. But yet sometimes Brother Marion, he would send his disciples on a sea. But he would go up into a mountainous region 
all by himself. And he'd begin to fast. And he'd begin to pray. And he would get alone with God in the wee hours. And he would pray all night. But you know what? He, he knew ahead of time that he sent his disciples straight into the middle of a storm. And they're out there row, row, rowing your boat gently down the stream. But all of a sudden the rowing gets harder. And the stream's getting tougher. And we're not rowing a boat. We're whitewater rafting in the rapids. We're not even going to survive this thing. The boat's reeling and it's rocking. They're screaming. But all of a sudden coming in the middle of the night, there comes one. That's a, that looks like a figure of a ghost or a shadow clothed in white raiment and he's walking upon the water and he says fear not and Peter says if you are who you say you are you need to tell me to come to you and out from the boat a man in carnality steps out and does something you can't explain he walks on water to Jesus yes he sinks but he at least got out the boat and took a few steps on top of the water before he sank and Jesus gets in the boat and we see where all of the earth and all of the winds, the waves, all of the things are under his subjection when he says, Peace, be still, and it stops. And he, we see throughout Scripture where he's in a boat, and he's sleeping, and a storm comes up. The disciples are doing the same thing again. But he wakes up, and he says, Why do you not have faith, you, O ye of little faith? And he calms the storms and seas again. We see him be led uh, into the triumphal entry of Jerusalem, riding the colt of a donkey, and, and he's riding in, and everybody is screaming, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we see that they're all praising and waving palm branches and throwing their cloaks on the ground. But just in about three and a half days from that stint, uh, they start turning on him. They start saying, Crucify. Him, he is not who we thought he was. We don't want any. Give us the murderer and the notorious thief Barabbas, and let this man called Jesus Christ die on an old rugged cross. They beat him. They led him to uh, Pilate's Praetorium, and they unmercifully just to desecrate his his divine body and his human clothing, and they just beat him beyond recognition. And they throw about a hundred and fifty pound wooden beam on his shoulder and tell him to walk a couple miles up. A rugged hill to a place called Golgotha and he struggled under the weight but he got finally there with the help of a man by Simon the Cyrenian and they nailed him high above heaven and earth but even in the midst of all of that he still was thinking about his children because he looked toward heaven and said Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing and he prayed the prayer over me and you and when he said it is finished he meant that he had accomplished everything that he had set out to do and they'd wrapped his mortal body in this this shroud if you will and then this this grave clothes and they took this limp lifeless body that used to be in their midst walking and talking and breathing the words of the Lord and they laid it inside of a borrowed tomb from a man by the Joseph of Arimathea and for three days they live in their house they don't know what's going to happen they're crying they're sad. They've already had the repast. They've already went back to the church and had fried chicken. And they don't know what else to do. They're just sitting at home alone. They're all calling each other on the phone. Woe is me. Life is over. That's all we've known for three and a half years was serving Jesus. But all of a sudden there comes a knocking on the sound of the door. And they're afraid to go answer it. But when they go answer it, they see two women. They see Mary. And they see the other Mary. And they are their face are white. They're pale. They can't explain them. Themselves. They open the door and they hurry them in and they say, what's wrong with you? Are you being chased? What's the matter? And they said, you're not going to believe it. We went this morning to check the tomb out. We just wanted to go put some new flowers on the tombstone. We just wanted to make sure.
sure that the, the groundskeeper was cutting the grass around it so mama's gravestone didn't look so bad. And when we got to the tomb, there's something that happened. The stone was rolled away. The grave clothes were there, but the body somehow went missing. And they said, what do you mean? And two disciples, one named Peter and one named John, take off running and they find the same thing that the women said. Well, they come back to the house. They don't know what's going on, but all of a sudden in that moment, Jesus appears right in the middle of the, them. And he makes himself known. About a week later, Thomas is with them. Thomas said, I don't believe that. There's no way that happened. And in the same moment, just like he did just a week before, Jesus comes again. And he shows himself to Thomas. Then he goes to a mount called the Mount of Olives. And he stands there with his 12 disciples. And he said, I have to go away. But I'll send one that will come. There will be a comforter to you. And he ascends into heavens. And the two angels said, why do you seek ye the living among the dead? This man you call Jesus in the same manner that you saw him go up. He'll come down again. And they take off to Jerusalem. And about 120 of them gather in an upper room. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in one mind and one accord. And the Spirit of the Lord came down. And the Holy Spirit manifested himself. And even to this day, that story that I just told you, all the way that happened thousands of years ago, can I tell you it's the same man that said that if an earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more so does your heavenly father have good gifts to give to you? God wants to bless his people because he is God and the God who he said he was. He says in this writing, through the writing of this, David has been writing this. We know it correlates to the Hebraic alphabet through a, through a way that it is written. I read to you last week that in March of 2022, that according to Barna statistics, that 42% of pastors wanted to quit due to stress, loneliness, or political division within their body, their, their church. They were overwhelmed. Almost 50% wanted to just give it up. You see, we, I started thinking about this. And I heard somebody say this one time, and I wrote it down in notes that I went back and looked at and tried to find, and I finally found it. We have to understand something. We either can have an ambulance at the bottom of a cliff, or we can build a fence at the top of the mountain to keep people from falling down. Think about what I just said. This journey of life sometimes is rough and rugged. You know, one old song, old Pastor Barnes and Deborah used to sing an old song. Old Brother Barnes, he, uh, he's an African-American pastor. He, I, don't know how, I don't know how Deborah was, but she must have been God's gift because he always made Deborah sing the song. He'd say, sing it, Deborah. I don't know who she was, but she must have been the right-hand woman to him. I don't know. She sang a song with him that said this, I'm climbing up, Lord, on the rough side of the mountain. I'm just doing my best to make it in. This old race, it'll soon be over. And, and, and she goes on to describe that race. And then at the end of that verse, she comes right back to it. But, Lord, I'm climbing up that rough side. It's hard. I'm just trying my best to make it in. See, we can put ambulances at the bottom of the cliff waiting for people to just fall from their pedestal. We're just waiting for people to crash and burn. We can put ambulances at the bottom or we can start building fences at the top to keep people from falling so much. Because the reality of it is 
The enemy's out to kill, steal, and destroy. So instead of waiting for them to fall all the way down, how about we keep them from falling to start with by keep lifting them up and keep undergirding them in prayer and building a hedge of protection or a fence of, of God's presence around the body of Christ, around our brothers and sisters, around our family, so that the, the enemy won't have it so much because we've already encamped around them the angels of heaven. We've already encamped around them the presence of the Lord. We've already got somebody protecting them from all sides. And when the, when the psalmist David is writing this, he talks about a couple things. First thing he talks about is God will, a blessed man, God will bless his children. Children are a blessing for God. In fact, the Bible says that, that happy is the man that has a quiver full of them. I mean, God says children are a heritage or a blessing from God. I read it to you in verse, in verse 1 and in verse 2. Praise you the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord and delighteth in his commands. That's the, that's the blessed man. His seed, his children will be mighty upon the earth and the generation of the upright will be blessed. He's saying, if you trust me and you put your faith in me, I'll bless your family. I'll bless your children. You know, you, you know we got people that, you know, they may have lost sons and daughters or grandchildren. But the Bible says if you train up a child in the way they should go when they grow old, they won't depart. It is a promise from God. It doesn't mean we're always going to understand how God does it. But when we give, if we do our part, God will do his part. That's a promise from God. I can't save your children. I can preach it. I can teach it. I can take them out to lunch. But they got to make a decision with God for themselves, not me. But God can. God can walk right down into a bedroom. He can walk right down into a job site. He can walk right down into a church. Or he can walk right down in Zaxby's if he wanted to. He can change their life just like that, wherever it may be. Blessed, they have blessed children. But he also goes on to say that God will bless your finances. Now, everybody likes this part of the Bible. Everybody thinks, oh, thank God for blessed finances. I mean, you start thinking about what the word of the Lord says. He says, wealth and riches. For the man who trusts the Lord. Remember, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord and delighteth great in his grace. The one that trusts in the Lord, the one that serves the Lord, the one that just gives all he's got to the Lord. Man, he's going to be rich. He's going to be rich. Wealth and riches shall be in his house forever. Everybody likes that scripture. They're like, I'm going to get saved right now. I'm going to just give God so I can be a multimillionaire. Well, finances come in different, if you will, dimensions. It doesn't always mean money. <laughs> That's why we view wealth and riches. The Bible says my, my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and, and we view riches as, oh, God's going to just let me be rich. No, God's just saying he'll give you more than enough. There's a distinct difference between being filthy rich and being more than enough. So you might only need $1,000. We'll just use easy math to live. So God may give you $1,100. That doesn't make you rich, but you have $100 more than you needed. So that means he was a God of more than enough. Not $1 million because you didn't need a $1 million. You just needed $1,000. So he gave you $1,100. He was God of more than enough. He didn't make you a millionaire. He just made you more than enough. The Bible never said God when he's going to give wealth and riches that he's going to give me money so that I can be rich and walk around arrogant. He just said he'll give me more than enough. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. I'll have more than enough. I have seen countless times, I've told stories here, and other people in here can do it, and for time's sake we won't, but there's been countless stories and things and records even in, in my life, and I'm sure even in yours, where God, you've given to God, but God gave you back way more than you gave him. Way more. You ain't going out giving. You just can't. I've always will remember 
I'm so glad to have tonight Brother Rocky with us. He comes sometimes on Wednesday night, and it's such an honor to have him in church with us tonight. But I always remember the story, because I was there, of how we were building the church at Ridgeville under my dad's leadership. We just trying to get rid of a sump pump we didn't want in an old dilapidated house that was a piece of junk. That it was condemned from the day that we were next door to the church. We thought that was a cursed house from the time we got there. We got cursed out from that house. We knew it was already a cursed house. It cursed us from across the fence. My mother had to almost pull two or three ladies from going across the fence and finishing the job with that lady. We gave away a sump pump. And God gave us dirt. Uh, I don't know if y'all ever... Uh, I don't know if y'all have ever priced out loads of dirt in any time soon. But uh, you can buy a sump pump a whole lot cheaper, just FYI. I'm going to let y'all know that right now. Sump pumps are cheaper. Okay. We gave away a sump pump, y'all. We didn't need it. We weren't flooding. We didn't need the water. We didn't have to worry about it. We needed dirt. <laughs> God said, okay. Give away a sump pump. We didn't know that at the time. Give away a sump pump. Next thing you know, God sends dirt. Because it was more than enough. It was a, it was nothing special. It, we, were, we weren't rich. We were on a budget. We were trying. We were building the church ourselves. We were on a budget. You talk about a budget. You can't get much more on a budget than when you don't. You can't even hire people. You have to ask, ask people to come help you do it. That's budgeting. Anybody know how to paint? Nope. Well, good. Now's a good time to learn. We got a whole building for you to practice. You pick a room and start there. I mean, we had we had options. You you may not even have had to ever paint in a room. We like we build you a 200 seat sanctuary. Pick a side. Just take a chance. Can't do no wrong right now. It's got nothing on it. What's the worst you can do at this point? <laughs> it was a practice thing. It was like a canvas for anybody who wanted to try it at some time. That's how, that's how it was. You see, I, I've learned that God always, he doesn't make me rich the way I think of rich. But he always will make sure that I have enough, more than enough to sustain and to live. In fact, when we talk about that God promises to, if you will, when we say the wealth and riches to bless this man's finances... What we're really saying is finances is not necessarily even, Brother Larry, about monetary value on earth. What we're saying is that if I put my faith in trust, blessed is the man who puts his faith in the Lord and fears the Lord and delights in his commandments. Well, once I do that, Jesus said that anybody that knows me and the Father, that I am from the Father and the Father is in me and the Father has sent me. That in my father's house there are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to prepare a place that you can come where I am. In my father's house are many mansions. I don't know about y'all, but mansions does not look like it's about to be condemned by DHEC. I, I mean, mansions normally are like million-dollar homes on Kiowa Island that do you think to myself, who has that much money to live like that? And if you could afford it, who has the money to pay the taxes after that? I mean, these are nice million-dollar mansions. See, we talk about thinking about it in eternal. We talk about it on earthly value, but but blessed is the man and woman that they delight in the Lord because they can have a mansion. They might live in a in a on this side of heaven. They might live in what some people think's a shack, but if they know Jesus, they're gonna live in a mansion. That's a pretty good trade-off. Y'all, I have a nice house, and I thank God for it. But I don't live in no mansion. I go down to Kiowa Island. Don't judge me for what I'm about to tell you. I've been down to Daniel Island, Kiowa Island, some of those houses that are for sale. I've actually went in and done the open houses. I have no intention of buying a house. I ain't got enough money in my bank account to even buy the carpet for one room. They don't know that, though. I get my best suit on. Y'all are judging. Stop judging. I put, a, I put on my nicest suit I own. It came from Belks. 
They don't know that. They think I robbed that thing from Talbots or somewhere. They thought I went and stole that from somewhere. I do have one Joe's Bay Bank suit. I didn't pay for it. Actually, I have two. I didn't pay for either one of them, but one of them has my name actually etched in it. Somebody would bless me one year uh, of taking me to get a custom suit. I wear that suit every time so that when I'm reaching in there just to, to take, I put my, my phone in this side so when I open my jacket, it says Jonathan Vaughn in there. So they know that my suits are custom branded. I only have one like that, y'all, and I didn't pay for it. They don't know that. And I put my phone in that pocket, and I pull it out just like that. And I just pull it out slowly so I can just kind of take pictures. And I say, oh, can I help you? Oh, i just taking a picture so I can show it to the wife. They don't know. He ain't living there. I walk my little self right on through there, through the house, looking around thinking, God, their one glass is more than my mortgage payment. Please don't break that glass walking by. I couldn't afford to replace their glass. I go in there and I look at them. These things are immaculate, son. They're good. I have a beautiful house, but I walk through that house and I'm thinking, man, it makes my house look like a dog house compared to this thing. I mean, this thing is legit. I don't know how many of you have ever been to the Biltmore. I love going, especially at Christmas. And, you know, of course, they built that years and years ago. So, I mean, obviously, but I even go now and I walk through that place and just standing on the outside looking at it, I just think to myself, wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I go through it, same thing. I go through there acting like I'm, you know, I'm like some multi-million dollar surgeon that's created some patented tool or device that saves the male lives. I'm walking through there like that. I, I, and I always think to myself, God, please don't let them ask me what I do for a living. I don't want them to think I'm Joel Olstein. I got lots of money and a private jet and don't know what I'm talking about half the time. But I, I, I walk through there and I'm just looking at all this stuff and I see that. I don't have this on this side of heaven, but you know what? Sister Alma, every time I leave those places, I get in my car and I kind of smirk, thinking to myself, God, I never could afford to live in this place. The HOA of this place is more than probably everything I own if I sold it. And I think to myself, Ms. Glenda, though, when I get in my car, I think, but if they only know what my house is going to look like one day. If they only knew when I get to heaven, they can have their little frumpy house here on Keough Island or Daniel Island. Ooh, nice little frumpy house. They ain't seen nothing that Jesus has built. I can't wait to see, you know, because they, they might have some nice gravel road that leaves or nice asphalt road that doesn't have 13-foot uh, deep craters like Berkeley County roads have to tear your car up. They might have smooth pavement, but what they don't know is one day I'm going to a place, Miss Dinah, that I don't need a golf cart to get there. You have to take a personal flight by the pilot of heaven. You, you, you can't even get, it's, it's fancy flight. I don't even get to ride on Delta. I fly myself. The Bible calls it the rapture. Y'all read and read your Bible. Let me tell you what it's called. It's called the rapture. I get to fly myself. I don't need Delta. Because when the last trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive and remain shall be called up together. I'm going to be like deuces. I will be soaring higher than Delta Airlines has ever done in the friendly skies. Myself. I will navigate myself with the help of the Lord. And what they don't know on Daniel Island, Keewa Island, Brother James, is I don't need their golf carts, their little bougie golf carts, to go to my neighbors and knock on their door. Because I, my streets are not going to be made of asphalt. They're going to be on gold. They have a nice house here on Kiwa Island. And none of the, I ain't been down there yet where anybody's street was solid gold yet. But my house lives up. My house is on gold. My house is not on asphalt. Right now, one day, whenever God calls me home and I get to see it for the first time, it's going to be on, on gold pavement. Gold pavement. I'm going to see crystal rivers and jasper walls and gates of pearl. I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, that's a pretty big pearl to make a gate out of it. 
That's an expensive. I bought Brianna one time a real set of pearls, right? Pearls right before we got married, and I thought to myself, "You better hope to God that you never mess these up. These things are expensive." My God, I lost a kidney over that thing, and I'm worried about dialysis now, playing for that thing. And I thought to myself when I bought them, I walked out of that jewelry store, and I I thought about it. And I'm gonna finish up here in just a second. I thought to myself when I left, I thought. Man, I just spent X amount of dollars on a strand of these pearls, these freshwater whatever pearls I've got. They gave me the, I had to have the sheet sign off on it, the certificate of authenticity and all this stuff. I felt like I was signing my life away for these, like 14 pages. I'm signing, signing. I'm like, what does it say? Oh, you can get sued if you break one of these. Whoa, I didn't sign that. I mean, I don't know what I was signing, but a certificate of authenticity. And I got back in that car. Y'all think I'm lying. I sat there and I thought, my God, I just spent that much money. You know how many Chick-fil-A sandwiches I could have had? That's the truth. That's what I thought first. I don't know why it is Chick-fil-A, but I always think of that first. Yeah, y'all laugh about that, but the last time somebody, uh, I'm not going to mention their franchise name, but Popeye's, tried to change their chick, chicken sandwich to match Chick-fil-A, y'all, a hurricane came to South Carolina named Dorian. Y'all better not play with God's chicken. That stuff will mess you up. I mean, they, they launched their chicken, and all of a sudden, here comes South Carolina's hurricane. Here comes Dorian. Like, God ain't playing games with y'all. I sat in that car, and I thought to myself that day. I remember, I could take you to the spot I was sitting at down in Charleston, North Charleston. And I thought to myself, if it costs this much for these little tiny pearls to hang on this little bead around a neck, can you imagine how much it would cost to have a pearl big enough to make an entire gated city, a gated city that is 144,000 square miles you know how many pearls that would take? Could you imagine how much money to create a gate of solid pearl? I couldn't even begin to think about how much money that would cost. I don't even know how that would be possible. That's expensive. See, we think finances on earth, but it's not even just about earthly. But the Bible says when we trust the Lord, God will bless our money. He'll bless our finances. He'll bless our homes. But it's a spiritual. Miss Carol, as you make your way, he'll bless us financially. And I'm going to close with this, and we'll talk about the last couple blessings next week. So he'll bless my children. He'll bless my finances. And I know this is not one of those, you know, run the aisles, snorting and screaming and stomping sermons, but we'll get there one day. But I was thinking about that thing, and I was reviewing the message for tonight. People here on, on earth, they always view blessings based on the physical tangible stuff whether it's money houses cars land tangible assets but the Bible says don't lay your treasures here on earth where moth rust and thieves can break in steel and moths can eat it and destroy it and rust can tear it up and corrode it lay for yourselves treasures up in heaven where moths can't eat it rust can't corrode it and thieves can't steal it from them because where you're treasure is there your heart will be think about that so I'm not so sure that I want a safety deposit box down at Navy Federal y'all I didn't serve in the Navy Brianna's the only connection I have in Navy Federal don't look at me I'm not that special I'd have cried the first day that he yelled at me first day I went through boot camp and they said ah! I'd have been like I quit oh, I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I ain't made for that thank God for y'all who took that but I I don't I don't, I'm not so sure that I want a safety deposit box at Navy Federal with a rare strand of pearls or a 
14 blocks of solid gold locked in a vault somewhere. Because when I die, it don't do me no good. I put 14 million blocks of gold in a safety deposit box. That's great for Brianna and Micah and all that, but they ain't going to do me no good. I, I can't use them. So not that I don't want to take care of my family and have life insurance policies and things like that, but, you know, I want to leave them to something a little bit better than a safety deposit box with a key full of golden bars. I want to leave this earth where that little boy knows that every morning his dad walks across a house and even to his frustration sometimes his daddy goes into another room and so when daddy's gone on he can walk in that same house at 377 Decatur and walk into a room in that back side of that house into a closet and say my daddy used to talk to God right here so God if you're the God of my daddy will you tell me what my daddy and you used to talk about in this room he knows where I go he can take you right now in the house he can show you what my daddy every day goes right in here this room it takes him forever he says every time you are gone a long time daddy you are gone and I'm like God has a lot to tell your daddy your daddy's not good sometimes God has a lot to say you know how I fuss at you? God has to fuss at daddy sometimes. He can take you to that room. I want one day, Sister Alma, not him to go to the safety deposit box for 14 gold bars. I want him to go to a carpeted room in the backside of a bathroom at the other end of the house and sit down in a floor, Indian-style, crisscross applesauce and say, God, I don't, I've never been in here, but my daddy's been in here a lot. So can you come in this room and talk to me too? Can you tell me what you and my daddy used to say? I may not be there, but I left something that he cannot replicate. I left something good, better than that safety deposit box. I want Brianna, no matter how many children the Lord should ever bless our family with, I want one day that when I lay down, whether it's in front of this church or it's in Dial Murray or wherever it may be, I want when she goes back home, she sits, Brother Mary, and then my chair again. I want her to feel guilty, first of all. But then after she gets over the fact that she stole my chair, I want her to look on the coffee table sitting right now beside those chairs at a Bible that lays there. And she can thumb through it and she can see highlighted passages. And she can read through there and think, I wonder what I wonder what he was thinking the day he wrote to light yourselves in the Lord and he give you the desires of your heart and he highlighted that in pink. I wonder when what was running through Jonathan's mind the day he said trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your way acknowledge it. I wonder what he was thinking about when he highlighted that in blue brother Rocky I wonder what he was thinking that day when he sat in this chair and he highlighted that passage I wanted to be able to take my cell phone and go to my notes sections and I wanted just to be able to read I wonder what he was thinking when he wrote this in his phone or on his iPad I know right now if my mother died right now I know not to, I know to go find a a navy blue Bible that has been glued together so many times that glue's not even holding it together anymore and an iPad that I know she has in her bedroom because if there's ever been a word from the Lord it's in those two places from my mother it may not be a gold bar but it's something of, of, of value it's a financial blessing to me because I can't put a price tag on what that is I want people, whether it's Brianna or Micah or Future, I want them to be able, when you guys are doing my homegoing service, <laughs> if they have enough strength, I want them to be able to stand behind the sacred lectern. I want them to be able to say, you saw him there. You saw him preach on screens. And you saw him do this, but let me tell you what he really did. Let me tell you about the times he prayed. 
Let me tell you about the Bible stories he led, the Bible devotions he led. Let me tell you about the time he would lay in the room and pray when we were sick. I don't want to leave them money. I want them to be taken care of, don't get me wrong, but I want them to have something I can't, I can't put a tag on. He said, blessed is the man he will bless. Wealth and riches. You know what the greatest gift, wealth and riches God can give us is salvation. Because when I read wealth and riches, and then I'm going to pray. He said, wealth and riches shall be in his house, and righteousness will endure forever. But notice, wealth and riches shall be in his house. Most people say, oh, Pastor, you're saying I'm going to have money? No. No, that's not what I'm saying. Come here, Micah. Come here, buddy. Hurry up. Come here. Help Daddy. It's your claim to fame. You're on TV. Make it look good. I want one day. I don't know what day it'll be. God, you got to stop eating food. He said, i got to lift weights. I want one day that I'll come home. I don't know what day that'll be. I want to come home one day, Brother Rocky, and I want Brandon to have gotten booted out of my chair. And I want to see this guy sitting in my chair thumbing through my Bible. God, what did my daddy experience the day he highlighted I want to see him read it I want to see him ask God to expound it because when the Bible says wealth and riches stand right here for me when the Bible says wealth and riches shall be in his house I don't want the money I want wealth and riches to be his soul I want it to be his relationship with Jesus Christ I want it to be his desire to reach lost sons and daughters for Jesus Christ. Whether it's to be a pastor, whether it's to be a lawyer, to be a doctor, but I want him to go to wherever God calls him and reach people that his daddy never had the opportunity to tell Jesus. That's wealth and riches. I can't put money on that. That is wealth and riches being in my house. That's what it's about. Thank you so much. So here's what I want to challenge you today. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord or woman and walks delights in his commands his children will be blessed his finances will be blessed wealth and riches shall abound in his house I'm not here to preach tithing to you God takes care of the church bills he always does you don't pay tithes and you don't give to the Lord that's between you and God you talk about that y'all figure it out I'm not here to do a stewardship campaign but I'm here to tell you that if you give time talents resources, monetary gifts, whatever you give to the Lord, He's not going to take it from you and not give you something back in return. You will not go under. You will not go hungry. You're not going to, if you give it, the Bible says it like this, and then I'm praying. The Lord, you give it to the Lord, Sister Alma, He will press it down. He'll shake it together. And then your vats will overflow. It'll run over. He'll take it. He'll press it. He'll shake it. But then you can't, the container won't hold it anymore. It's just going to keep running over. That's being blessed. When you can't contain it in your, when you can't contain it in your mortal body more, the more you pray, the more you fast, the more you give it to God, the more you give money, the more you give time, the more you give talents, the Lord takes it, he presses down, he shakes it together, and then he just lets his spirit just run it over. Now, now you can say you've been blessed by the Lord so my challenge to all of us is this this week before we go to 
our places and come back Wednesday night or Sunday next week. This is my challenge to you. Whatever it is that you're skeptical to give God full control over, give it to Him and let Him just, just, just give it to Him. Just trust Him. Whether it's money, time, devotions, prayer, whatever it is, just give it to Him and just see what He'll do in return. I challenge you. I'm challenging you. Give it to God. Say, God, I'm, I love you. I'm serving you. I'm going to give this to you into your care. And just see what he does in response. Because I bet you everything I own, if you give it to God, he's going to give it back. But press down, shaking together, and overflowing in your life. We sing it around here ever so often. Living in the overflow. Covered by your grace. Walking in your freedom now. We have been changed. Bless the Lord. Oh my soul. I am living in the overflow. God wants to bless his people today. As you stand all over the house. Let me pray, pray the prayer of faith over you today. All of our online guests. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, or 7 o'clock. On